Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. I'm Sonia. And I'm Willie. Uh, today's episode is Days of Future Past Part 2. Right, a continuation from Part 1 that we watched and talked about last week. And, you know, it's really amazing that each of these episodes is only 20 minutes long because Mm -hmm. they really pack in Mm -hmm. lots and lots of action to each and every one i know and then when you combine it with last week's episode it's you know it's like 42 minutes or 44 minutes long and that's like a a nice chunk of x-men action Mm -hmm. right so in the last episode we met bishop who time traveled back to the past to try to prevent an assassination from happening in Washington, D.C. Right, from a dystopian future where it's all in ruins and everyone's dead. Right. More or less. So he's back in the past and um, meets the X-Men, of course. X-Men, of course. X-Men, of course. Mm-hmm. Jack's an MTA bus and cracks mansion. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Professor X uses Cerebro to read his mind and he, you know, believes that he's telling the truth. And then they fight Nimrod, the uh, horrible, murdering sentinel robot from the future, which is further proof that Bishop is telling the truth. And then the episode ends on a cliffhanger where Gambit uh, emerges in the room, and Bishop remembers that Gambit is the assassin and tries to kill him. Right. I mean, if you want a fuller explanation, go back and listen to the previous yeah. episode. <laughs> go back and listen but... <laughs> and watch the episode, too. <laughs> but um, anyway. So this episode opens in a fun way. Uh, it's like, it takes place like five minutes before that last episode ends. Uh, we see Rogue and Gambit uh, driving along in Rogue's famous, now famous, red convertible. Um, Gambit continues to hit on Rogue. Uh, she says something like, don't you ever get tired of yourself? And he says, not when I'm talking about you, Cher. And like winks at the camera. It's <laughs> I really love that line. And then uh, Rogue is really frustrated. She flies away. And Gambit, uh, in another great quip, says, don't worry, Rogue. I parked the car. <laughs> and this episode is like uh, swings hard and connects with all the quips. There's, like, a million great classic quotes in this episode, mm-hmm. and I'll highlight a few as we go run through the plot here. Okay. But, I mean, I just love this episode for the one-liners, and it's just amazing voice acting and writing yeah. on the part of the production team here. Yeah, definitely. So, so anyway, uh, you know, then we're quickly back where the last episode ends. Uh, Bishop sees Gambit. He aims his gun and fires. And interestingly, Rogue does not hesitate. She takes a shot for Gambit. So we had a lot of discussion about how like much Rogue might be frustrated at Gambit for constantly sexually harassing her, but they clearly have a bond of some kind. Yeah, in the end, she's got his back, and she like takes a laser blast for him. Right, and, but, but it doesn't matter because in, uh, she takes a laser blast, and then Bishop manages to shoot uh, Gamba in the chest anyway, but he's right. fine. I guess his, but, he still hasn't set his gun to stun. <laughs> I'm out of stun. Right. So... Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, chaos, they're fighting, and people settle down for a minute, and that's where Bishop tells the full story of what happened. Because in the previous episode, he had time-traveling amnesia and could only remember bits and pieces. Um, but now he remembers everything, almost. Yeah, I guess his memory is, like, pretty much restored. Almost, because he still doesn't remember who the target is of the assassination. Like, that's the last detail right. he can't figure out. Um, he says he doesn't know. I, I'm not sure if he says he doesn't know or doesn't remember, but I think he says, I don't know, and which is kind of like crazy. Like Maybe he just like wasn't educated as to who was assassinated. It's like, but in the future, it's such a, a, right. a big, like, famous event that I, 
I thought that it was just the amnesia sort of... Yeah, it's probably the amnesia. Um, but anyway, we see more of a, a fuller picture of the of what happens after uh, the assassination. And, you know, it, it's more or less what we saw in the last episode, but in greater detail. Like, this time we see... Um, for, we see Cyclops uh, fight the Sentinels, mm-hmm. and he's joined by Havoc, his brother, mm-hmm. which is a cool cameo. And Havoc is presented in his like glorious like early '90s X Factor gear. And for those who don't know, Havoc, like I just mentioned, is the brother of Cyclops. Um, he also has mutant powers. Uh, we'll see. This is not the last we'll see of Havoc. He will appear later down the road in a, in a more extended cameo, mm-hmm. and and their backstory will be fleshed out as well. Um, and then we see some more mutants. We see Sunfire, who we met previously in the Slave Island episode. We see the Morlocks again. They get cornered by Sentinels, so it looks like the Morlocks get killed. Um, and then we see uh, the the mutants all get captured. And this time we see old Cyclops, Jean Grey, and old Beast. Like we've seen them before, though that uh, that was the same clip that they no, showed no, in, in no, a previous not episode. In the, not in the last episode, I don't think. I think it was. Okay, well, whatever. Well, whatever. Yeah. But it's just funny to see old Cyclops. Like he's got the Reed Richards like white hair wings above his ears. Yeah, they make him like a little wrinkly, so you know that yeah. it's the future. Yeah, and Beast really quickly too. You see Beast with some white hair, which is kind of funny for a blue man. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, you know, Bishop, which we hinted at in the last episode, Bishop explains that the Sentinels also turn on the humans so that the whole world is just controlled by maniacal robots. It's kind of, like, scary and terrible and dark. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, uh, I guess, sort of like the Matrix, but with less altered reality. In like, You know what I mean? There's no virtual reality for the humans. Everybody right. just lives in a concentration camp or dies. Awful. Yeah. And then, and so that's, you know... That's sort of like now we've got the full story crystallized. Bishop's time, uh, his time traveling amnesia is more or less cured, except for he doesn't know who the the target of the assassination is, and the X Men um, have to figure out what they're going to do. Right, and he like makes it a point to explain a few different times, which I think is weird. Like that, the way that he's able to stay in the past is with that like time travel bracelet that he's right. got on, yeah. and he like really spells it out like a couple of different times. <laughs> He's like, if you want to get rid of me, it's like, if everyone ever wanted me out of their sight, just get rid of my time-traveling armband. Yep. That's all you'd have to do. Just blast I don't my know, bracelet. I don't and... know why you do it, but in case everyone's wondering again. Right. And uh, But anyway, he like so he gets so, to the end of his story, and... And they're trying to figure out who the target could be, and of course, Storm says something reasonable. She says, oh, it's probably the president. And Professor X, like, immediately thinks it's himself. He's like, it could be me. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And then Professor X lists his resume for the X-Men. He's like, I am, like, the foremost, uh, you know, uh, speaker on human and mutant rights. I am well known in the world. (laughs) He, like, kind of almost brags about himself a little bit. (laughs) He has, like, a real self-serious moment where he thinks he could be the target. But um, it's not Professor X spoilers. That's just a little bit moment of, like, false vanity there. Um, although not really, I mean. Well, it's like it's just a, an opportunity for yeah. some character exposition. Yeah, they're just so explaining. Yeah, they're explaining that Professor X is kind of famous and well known and important. Right. Um, 
but basically like Gambit doesn't believe the story yeah. and he's like what do we really know about this guy and that really triggers something for the rest of the X-Men because yeah Wolverine like, has a great comeback to that only a little more than we know about you right you've never been straight with us not completely and which in, is kind of like the 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 pot calling the kettle black because like Wolverine also has a sh- dark really, and mysterious like, past themselves in mystery yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely and uh I mean, the qui- like we said, the quips are outrageous. That was that was another example of a great line from this episode. And Wolverine is really quick to turn on Gambit. He really, he's just been wait. He kind of just up to this point, he's really kind of disliked Gambit throughout the show. They're always getting into fights. They're you know they're always on the verge of killing each other. Mm-hmm. And this is just this is just like the perfect excuse for Wolverine. He's just he's like there can only be one mysterious mutant with a dark past and a cool attitude on this team. Yeah. Ever since you came along, you. <laughs> He's really like keyed up to yeah. like past ten all the time. Yeah, and uh, then and then there's another interesting characterization moment where Storm announces to the room, "I know Gambit better than anybody," and she kind of gives like a, yeah. a sideways glance to Rogue, like, and Rogue kind of acknowledges, "Like, yeah, you know more than I do." Right, which to like an adult audience is like, are they involved with each other, well, or like what's well, the, going on this with Storm and Gambit? Right. So, and if you were an industrious little uh, want to be know it all kid like I was, you'd um, you'd go to the comics and you'd find out that Storm and st- I mean not Storm, yeah, Storm and Gambit's origins are sort of tied together in a weird way. Yeah, um, I don't remember the full story right now, but it's something to do when Storm was like a young girl in Africa and she knew Gambit as a thief, or I don't know. I mean, they they had some kind of connection. Yeah, there was like the adventures of Storm and Gambit at one point. So um, anyway, yeah, that's interesting. That's like a more quick nod to that more past, layering. It's but. like that's why the show's so great because it can it can layer in references from the comics in a subtle way without really holding your hand. They give these nods and winks, and it gives the show this like extra depth that you wouldn't expect. And I think that's like a big like key to the Marvel Universe's success on the whole. I mean, it's obviously done in the comics, but it's something the movies do as well, and not just the X-Men movies. Yeah. They always, like, all the Marvel movies give these, like, little nods to the fans of, of like, mentioning, like a, like, a character's backstory, or just, like, an event that might have happened to them, and, like, you know, all the, the Marvel fanboys and girls in the audience, like, giggle a little bit, because, like, oh, I know what they're talking about. They're talking yeah. about, you know, the Infinity Stones, or whatever right. it might be. And if you don't know those references, References, then it's like not a big deal. You usually have a dorky friend next way. to you that like can't wait to explain it to you. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying it's like it's also enjoyable without that extra level. Yeah, oh yeah, you know? definitely. If you don't know it, like yeah. it just passes you by and it's not well, a big deal. I even think if you don't know it, like you you can often. I mean, if there's a beat where there's an unexplained revelation or hint at something, you you kind of sense that there's a greater thing at play anyway. They're, they're really good at telegraphing them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's how kids picked up on this show in the past. They 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 sense that there's things going on in the comics that weren't in the show like you know like kids were able to detect that which is I think is like great writing um well it's just you know Marvel is really good at building up like a a, a detailed like rich universe mm, yeah so, it's amazing yeah that's that's their, like the mythology is insane yeah um, and then, uh, you know, the quips, like, do not stop. Uh, so, right away, Gambit just decides to go to the, the hangar and get in a plane and fly to Washington. And he's really honest about it. They're like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to Washington. And Bishop's like, he admits it. And he's like, no, I'm going to stop the assassination. And, um, obviously, the X-Men collectively vetoed this plan. Right. And uh, Wolverine has a great line. He's saying, and I'm staying behind to babysit. 
<laughs> right, which just seems like the worst idea. Like if Bishop's anything, staying behind too. Like yeah. Bishop and, and Gambit are being like basically sequestered at the X-Mansion yeah. by the rest of the, the X-Men. Seems like a good plan. Which does seem like a good plan, but, like, Wolverine, of all people, like, we've really gone into his personality and mm-hmm. how he's, like, a real firecracker. Like, he seems like the worst choice to be the one to, like, mediate the tension between yeah, these two. Yeah, that's a good point, but he probably, th- he, I bet he volunteers himself because he thinks he's, the like, more powerful than the two of them put together. He really overrates his own like uh strength in a way yeah that's true because bishop's like a huge burly powerful mutant and gambit's a super agile like you know thief ninja yeah with amazing powers and, and wolverine's like i could take the both of them <laughs> <laughs> he's like you wimps go to washington <laughs> yeah me i mean we don't see that i'm, happen, gonna, I'm gonna stay like, with this testosterone but maybe right. yeah yeah, I Just think that's like, his thinking there. To me, like, it seemed like it would make more sense if, uh, you know, like, Jean Grey or Storm or, like... Right, because they, they... Anybody more reasonable and, yeah. like, level-headed Well, maybe Jean... I mean, Jean might be the best choice, because if things get out of control, she could, like, theoretically, like, mind-control them to stay put or, yeah. you know, lock the door with her mind power. I don't know. Well, well anyway, that's not I mean, what locked happens. doors don't stop these mutants, but, um... Anyway, <laughs> so then there's a hilarious scene where the, the three of them are hanging out playing cards... Um, of course, they're playing cards, uh, you know, with Gambit around, and Bishop's like, "I should have known better to play cards with an assassin." Uh, like that makes that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, why would? <laughs> um, and then, but then Wolverine has a great line where he's trying to, you know, like you said, diffuse the tension. He's like, "Cards won't be the only thing that gets cut around here," and it's another excuse for him to pop his claws. Yeah, of course. And that does nothing to de- diffuse the tension. And then. Uh, I mean, you know, this episode is really great. Like, uh, the the action kind of shifts to Washington. The X-Men are there. They're going to attend uh, Professor X's uh, testimony on Capitol Hill um, to Senator Kelly. Uh, And so, you know, it's kind of like a real, like... It's like an excuse for Senator Kelly to, like, grandstand about his... With his anti-mutant like agenda mm-hmm. and just yell in the professor's face he accuses uh the professor of running a a clearinghouse for pro-mutant propaganda <laughs> so, and professor's like trying to reasonably explain himself but he gets cut off right um and then like the other x-men are on guard like storm and rogue are flying around the capital like keeping an eye out and i and there's like a funny like moment which I just think is hilarious where Jubilee is sleeping underneath a tree in the in like the Washington Mall and she's having a nightmare and the nightmare is very specifically reminding the audience what the plot of this episode is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if she's dreaming right after a commercial break and little kids need to be reminded like what's going on. Yeah, right. She's like, Gambit, you're an assassin. Stop, don't do it. <laughs> you know, Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then another, like, moment I want to mention, uh, Storm is patrolling, like, there's a, a shot of her, like, sitting on top of the Washington Monument, <laughs> and it's like, wouldn't somebody notice that? Eh. And it's like, where are the D.C. police? And yeah, the police are notably absent in this, throughout this episode. Yeah, it's like, I think people would notice, a, like, a woman sitting on top of the Washington Monument, even if, like, you know, they wouldn't maybe assume she's a mutant, but maybe someone who's, like, trying to, like kill herself or some lunatic who <laughs> and uh, she's wearing a bright silvery suit i mean 
that that just you know like like you said the, the no that's that's just like you know the animators tropes, like yeah. drawing in all the different monuments that you would see in Washington. I know, but so it's, that it's, it's like recognizable. Like, oh yeah, they're in Washington. I know, but it, 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 you're right. But it, it you're right. But like from my point of view, it's just really funny to like imagine this is real and like where like you know like I said, where are the police? Yeah. <laughs> this could not happen. Um, and anyway, so as Professor X is giving his. Uh, his uh, sort of failing speech to Senator Kelly, that's when uh, Mystique uh, Mystique's team uh, breaks into this hearing, blows down the walls, and they kidnap the senator. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or they try to. Um, or they cause a ruckus. And so the t- Mystique's team is Pyro, Avalanche, and The Blob. All of whom we've met in previous episodes, though not at the same time. We met Pyro and Avalanche in the uh, Muir Island. Island episodes, and um, and there's an there's like an interesting like throwaway line by Mystique saying that like if you fail in this mission, you'll be eliminated. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, they really Pyro, Avalanche, and Blob really got to watch their necks. high stakes, yeah. yeah. So, um, but they really go about it with such a dopey, like, air that <laughs> they yeah. don't seem like there's any danger. They're really, uh, they're probably just really overconfident in this, in themselves. And, you know, th- this episode is so fast-paced. It's just, it's so much action going on. And then we, we cut back to the X-Mansion. Gambit uh, launches a daring escape where he uses his cards in a real yeah. subtle way to blow up the computers. He, and, like, lays traps. Like, yeah, glowing cards all over the place, and like they 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 explode. explode and, and he he escapes. He he hijacks um, one of these yellow like one man personal jets the X Men have. Yeah, we haven't seen them yet. I don't think not I think not this too is much. The first yeah, time. and they become regular features of the show that the X Men all have these little personalized jets that fly themselves. Like Gambit just punches them in Washington D.C. and just flies in there. Yeah, and and again. Another thing where, like, where's the D.C. police? Where's the National Guard? Where's the military? Or just any, like, people that would be around. And, yeah, because like, Gambit just lands his jet, like, right next to the Capitol building. I right. mean, in real life, that would be... They would scramble jet. Like, the army would scramble jets and blow him out of the sky. It's like you cannot, like, land, a, like, an aircraft like that, like, on the lawn of the Capitol. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. pre-9-11 world, it was different. Right, you're right. Pre-9-11 world, yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, right, so the action is, like, really, like, Crazy um, Mystique's team takes on the X Men. They spill out into this fight on the Washington Mall, and again, where the police, like, because a uh, Blob, Pyro, Avalanche, Cyclops, Gene, Storm, Rogue are all fighting each other in a tense fight. Like Pyro shooting his flame birds at Storm and Rogue, and uh, Blob is you know throwing people into the the pool at the Washington Mall by the monument. Yeah, you know, and the Avalanche is causing little earthquakes everywhere. Right. So, and then, you know, we get, we, this is our second introduction to the Blob. We saw him on Slave Island, and he's got a little more character to him here. Like, in in Slave Island, he doesn't really explain himself or his powers. But this time we see him and, um, you know, Rogue tries to punch him in the stomach and right. her and fist gets like, stuck in his fat. Yeah. It's really He's gross. got, like, some actual, like, dialogue lines here. Yeah. Where, you know, it's just, like, his Nothing hurts the like, blob. Real dopey, but yeah. still, like, you, you kind of see. He's, right, he's at the same mental level as Avalanche. They both have the same dopey accent. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's one, like, sort of inconsistency with his power. Uh, at one point, Wolverine tackles him because Wolverine chases Gambit to the capital with Bishop. And Blob loses his balance and falls into the water. Like, I think in the comics, Blob can't be moved. Like, it, he, he can plant his feet in the ground and no, no force on Earth can move him. That's part, he can create, like, gravity around his feet or something. Mm-hmm. And that, so in this show, he's really, he actually stumbles around quite a bit. He's, but he's it's not that Wolverine moved. is trying to push him over. It's that Wolverine, like, jumps up mm. on his back and, and he's like, grabs around his neck and mm. is, like, covering his eyes. Right, right, right. So I don't think it's quite the same. I don't think that's an inconsistency. Yeah, you may be right. Okay, but uh, maybe uh, it was still nice to point out, like, that's what his power is in the comics, which is always kind of fascinating. It's yeah. not that just... It's not just that he's super fat. It's that he's got, like... like extra gravity. Extra gravity power. Yeah. Um, and then... And then Bishop is also fighting these mutants now because he's come with Wolverine, and he blows up like a large chunk of what like might be the Capitol building or one of the other government buildings with his gun. And uh, there's a nice rescue moment where this huge like steeple clock tower is about to fall on this little girl. Uh, Rogue catches it with her arms. Oh, first Jean suspends it in oh, there right, with her yeah. mind power, and the, then she says it's too heavy, so Rogue has to catch it. Right, and Wolverine like the girl. runs under there to save the girl. Yeah, yeah, and then the the thing collapses on Rogue, but she heroically blasts through the rubble and, within like a second. Yeah, yeah she's it's a super cool strong. Moment. Yeah, and then uh, the kid's crying, and another great quip: "This kid's crying, do something!" And just pushes her into Jubilee's arms. <laughs> But again, the X Men like now now like a piece of the Capitol is like blown up. So where are the police? <laughs> I mean, there's like no no police action whatsoever. Well, there's no people around. Everyone's like scattered because yeah. they're like scared of what's yeah. going on, and rightfully so. So I mean, it's at this moment that the that everyone breaks breaks off, and the more chaos like envelops. And uh, just a, another great rogue line where someone asks her, "Where's Bishop?" And she says, looks like he's running for Congress. <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, no, it's because she sees she I know, like, but... sees him from above, like, running into the Congress. I know, but you it's, know? Just... it's not unprompted. I know, it's but like... it's just funny. It's such yeah. a funny line. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then here it's like the full plan is revealed. M- Gambit was not the assassin. It was Mystique in her Gambit disguise. Mm-hmm. And it was a plan cooked up by Apocalypse. Uh, the apocalypse knows that if we kill Senator Kelly, who is the target, by the way, right. that uh, the world will fall into ruins. So that's uh, why Mystique is is kidnapping the senator. But because a Bishop's intervention, uh, the X Men know this plan, and Gambit confronts Mystique as Gambit, and there's a Gambit on Gambit fight, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. And uh, Bishop bursts in and decides to kill both of them because he can't tell who's who, just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at this point the music really like, uh, really like flies into drama mode, and Rogue comes in and she's had enough of Bishop, and she makes a command decision. Yeah, it's really crazy. Actually, yeah. she like grabs his bracelet and off, the time travel bracelet off of mm-hmm. him and like crushes it. So yeah. he gets like sent instantly back to the past, to and, the future. I mean, to the future. <laughs> and so does his bracelet, and like right. that's it done. Yeah, she's like, I had enough bishop. Like yeah. the assassination's been stopped. You do not need to exist in it. it it's almost like really... Mystique's the only one concerned about like the space time continuum in a way. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't want to hang out bishop to hang out longer than he should. 
Mystique? No, I mean, not Mystique. I mean, uh, Rogue's the only one concerned about the space-time continuum. Right. She yeah. took all those cues that he was <laughs> the, Something giving. is wrong with the universe. <laughs> we need to get Bishop out of this right. timeline. But it does seem like she's very... That's... I don't know. Very like a that's a very commanding position to be in, you know. Yeah, it's like she really... surprising she doesn't consult Professor X. I know, like anybody. yeah, yeah. She's real self possessed. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, and it's at this moment that because of the fight with Mystique and Bishop Gambit is passed out, so uh, Mystique reveals to Rogue that she was once her quote mama. Um, right. So she transforms herself mm-hmm. into this blonde haired woman, right? Southern woman, and you know. And she reveals the backstory there, which is that, like, when you had nowhere else to go, I took you in, and we were together. And Rogue's like, well, why'd you try to turn me into a slave of Apocalypse? She's like, it was the only way we could be together again. Right. <laughs> it's really stupid. And uh, she also reveals an interesting character note about herself, Mystique. She says that Apocalypse gave her life meaning as Professor X did with Rogue. Right. Which is, you know, kind of... You could see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, like, on the level... But it's also surprising that when Rogue worked with Mystique, that Mystique didn't reveal her shape-shifting powers. Ever. Yeah. Right. That this is the first time that we're hearing about yeah, this that, backstory. Because yeah, they've had, like, quite a lot of interactions. Yes, they have. Like, even in the show. Forget about before. Right. Like, the timeline of the show. Yeah. But, like, from Rogue's perspective, like, how do you trust that Mystique is telling the truth, right? Because, like, Mystique can transform into anybody and look like anyone, so all she would really need is to have seen, like, a photograph of Rogue's mom and well, then be it's able not, to, like, right. transform it, into that shape and, like, pretend to be her, her yeah, but, mom. Yeah, but know? it's not it's not her mom. It's, you know, it, it's it's a woman who adopted Rogue when right, she was her a adopted teen runaway. Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, I guess, but I mean... Saying? Yeah, but Rogue's... Like, Rogue believes it, and she gets very, like, wide-eyed and, yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know, but, like, mm-hmm. I, as right. I was Mystique, watching Mystique it, I was could like, oh like, man, the level of trust, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think in this case, it's fairly safe to assume that Mystique... It, it would be too random for Mystique to know that detail. Yeah, okay. You know, it's it's... And and they're setting up a, they're setting up Rogue's backstory too, yeah. which comes to play in a huge episode coming down the line. Right. And uh, so B- Bishop flies back into the future, and unfortunately, uh, the future is still wasted. It's not good. And uh, Forge appears, and he's like, "Well, I guess your mission failed, even though you stopped the assassination. We're going to try again and again and again once I fix the time machine." Right. And Until we get it it's right. Like, it's like, how does Forge if the if the past has been changed, how does Forge know anything that <laughs> that's happened? You know, he wouldn't I mean, know about the assassination. He wouldn't know about the mission that sent Bishop back in the first place. Right. So that's a huge, huge inconsistency right there. Well, uh, again, that, like, it seems like the X-Men aren't really concerned too much about, like... Butterfly effect and right, like, yeah, and and uh, paradoxes and things right. of that. Well, nature. actually, the butterfly effect they are concerned with. Right, That's exactly. What yeah, they're, they're concerned with here, the butterfly like, effect. They're not concerned about paradoxes, and they're not concerned about like alternate timelines that change people's memories. Right. So I mean, it's just funny because this this actually happens a couple of more times with Bishop going in the past and Forge. And him having conversations about whether or not the future was changed. Right, yeah. And and then we see a really, like, there's a really dark and ominous detail in the background that Wolverine's skeleton is in a, like, a jar. Yeah. And, um... Suspended in a big glass. Yeah, so Wolverine's dead. Container, but you see, like, the claws. So you know it's him. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, anyway, back to the present. They, they go in to check on Senator Kelly, but... 
he is again kidnapped, <laughs> um, this time by Magneto. How do we know it's Magneto? Because Professor X's watch stopped, and it he drops it in the air, and it sticks to his uh, hovering chair, and he says in a very mysterious tone, because it's been magnetized. <laughs> right, and then we see the to-be-continued right. scroll uh, at the bottom. So we know that like next time we're going to be seeing a little bit more of Magneto his right. great nemesis. Yeah. And I mean, this, to that. this was the penultimate episode of season one. The next episode, uh, episode 13, is called Final Decision, and that's the last episode. And I, I, the last things I want to talk about, it's like, it's really been amazing how in this first season, how all these episodes have pretty much been building up to something. Yeah, like they work as one-offs, you know, if the, you're like yeah. a kid tuning in for the first time at episode 6 or 10 or whatever, it doesn't <laughs> right. really matter. Right, like, yeah, if an episode continues it, but... like Days of Future Past Part 2, they give you enough backstory that you know what's going on. Yeah, but it's pretty, like, unique for a, a kid's cartoon yeah. show to have that much going on where, like, you kind of need that little snippet of, like, here's what happened last time. And, and, it's that, like and that's kind the mo- of a soap opera. Yeah, know? and that's the Marvel style that it's... Everything's connected. Things build on each other. You know, the plot never ends kind of thing. And everything's a cliffhanger. And that's that's great. You know, it's like yeah. a really... Uh, as a kid, I remember loving that, that you're just dying to see what happens next. You couldn't miss it. Right. Because there's a lot of depth to the characters and the plot lines. And, you know, like you're really in anticipation of, of what's going to happen in this world. Yeah. And then, you know, and just, you know, the next episode for me... The Final Decision, that's what it's called, uh, is one of the top three episodes ever in the show's history. Mm-hmm. It's so good, and I can't wait for us to uh, get there next week. And um, I hope everyone will join us. Yep, stay tuned. Yeah, and but before we go, um, just a reminder to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts on your Android devices. Uh, rate us five stars, leave us a nice review. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Um, or join our Facebook group, the X-Men Task Podcast. We'll add you there, and you can talk to us directly. If you have any questions, uh, we'll read them on the show, and um, we'll get your opinion. Um, but uh, that's all I have for now. Um, do you have any last words for X-Fans? Stay magnetized. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Good night.